the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one, Laura Babcock is here from Power Group Communications, also host of The O Show. Matt Gurney, journalist, co-founder of The Line, an online magazine that I'm reading right now. Uh, John Burnside, Toronto City Councillor, is here as well. Uh, let's start quickly with the federal liberals beginning a cabinet retreat in Montreal. Not normally all that notable, but there's some pretty distinct messaging coming from Justin Trudeau and his cabinet right now that they're pressing the reset button, reorienting their priorities and begging for your attention. Let me start with possibly the most political person on the panel. That would be Matt Gurney. Matt, what's your take on this? Didn't they just do this a few months ago? Like have a cabinet reach, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, but it was the same idea, right? Get everybody together, talk it out, make sure everybody's united, come out and uh, start taking on a slide in the polls. I think I kind of am of two minds on what is happening to the federal liberals lately, because I do think there are some unique problems this government has. And I mean that in the neutral sense of, of external factors, but I also mean sort of their own internal failures. So I think they've got some of those going on, but also they've been in power for nine years. Like any government at this point would be, or almost nine years, and any government at this point would be showing its age. And I kind of veer back and forth between having this impulse of doing like a really like granular analysis of how Justin Trudeau is performing and why his poll numbers are tanking. But then the other part of my brain, maybe it's the angel on my shoulder goes, he's been prime minister for eight years. Of course he's unpopular. Uh, John Burnside, I thought it was interesting that they decided to offer the Prime Minister to Susan Delacourt. She is a very respected journalist and uh, political biographer and writer, but she's nobody's fool. And I see Max Valaket's fingerprints all over this because he was brought in to try and change Justin Trudeau's public image. Yeah, I think that's probably a little bit of a Hail Mary. Um, You know, going into this meeting, I think we're going to see a lot of lugubrious faces. That is your Already word of the week. today's word, lugubrious. Right out of the gate, looking <laughs> or sounding sad or dismal. Um, you know, I think I think the general feeling with the government is that they're very late to the party all the time. Uh, you know, they're talking about food prices. Well, that's been going on for how long? Uh, do they really want to ch- um, do anything about it? They can get rid of marketing boards. Um, and then, you know, we're talking, there's another story about the, uh, the car thefts, and they're going to have this summit. Well, those car thefts have been going on for three or four years. It's like they just seem to be so behind the curve. I don't know what interview you can have that's really going to change that feeling that Canadians have that they're just very late to the party these days. Okay, Laura Babcock, your thoughts? Well, I mean, you can't look around uh, anywhere you go and not think there are problems with this country. I participate in a food line that's 800 people long in the middle of downtown Hamilton. It feels like Depression era. And so when you hear Justin Trudeau go out and say, yeah, yeah, but vis-a-vis the G7, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and we're fantastic. And then you look at homeless neighbors and say, how did it get this bad? There's a disconnect there. It's like cognitive dissonance. So I'm hoping, you know, Max can sit him down with a a journalist and, and I think appeal to support 
supporters already of Trudeau and say, okay, he still does care. Uh, but what about the rest of the people who have a very different experience? So I think if this government is going to finally catch up, if possible, to the affordability crisis and the housing crisis in this country, they're going to have to change some of their messaging from this, oh, but look at us globally and start talking about what we see locally. And I have to tell you, I'm glad to hear that the conversation around immigration targets is now including in this, because while I support immigration for economic reasons, you know, we, we have less babies being born, we need immigration, we even have responsibilities around refugees globally, uh, but we don't have the system that supports them. And so it's have, you're having people turn on refugees and immigrants now. It's not their fault. They don't come to this country wanting to stand in a food line, John. They come to this country wanting to work. So if Trudeau is going to have these high numbers, he's got to make sure there's a system that supports them uh, equitably with Canadians who are here. Be interesting to see if Max decides to shop the Prime Minister to this show, because Justin Trudeau has not spoken to me since 2016. <laughs> apparently, the PMO doesn't feel I've been nice enough. Okay, um, apparently, running 311 is costing us an awful lot of money. John Burnside, it can't possibly be in question whether we continue with 311. It's how most. Torontonians interact with the city. Oh, 100%. It's the best thing we offer. Maybe not the app. I think that's Green P is, is the best app. Yep. Um, but, you know, I think there's a little bit of scare tactics, a little bit of, uh, you know, we need to protect services. We need to protect 311. But that said, 311 has a lot of problems. I called for something. I was put on hold, and then I was told there are too many people in it, and then hung up on me. The problem I have for the council, as a counselor <laughs> is then everyone calls my office as the portal. Yeah. Right? So um, definitely, you know, if, if the uh, budget chief wants to talk about protecting services, those are the services we need to protect. We don't need to keep uh, throwing money at things that aren't necessarily working. We need to improve the things that aren't working and then get out of the things we shouldn't be engaged in. Yeah. I mean, Laura, it just to me, doesn't it's a non-starter, the idea of cancelling 311. It's one of the best features the city offers. Well, I don't think you can cancel it. And there are people who can't yet use apps or don't have smartphones. Or I mean, I think about my, my husband's mother. She doesn't go within 10 feet of a smartphone, right? So apps are not something she would use. A phone, she would. So, I mean, we have to keep that option. But there also can be more education and, and moving people towards a much less expensive app. Because if you're talking about $11 per phone call, 11 to $16 vis-a-vis 10 cents um, for an app uh, contact. I mean, if we're trying to save money, that, that seems an obvious thing. So it's about moving people who can use the app instead of 311 over to the app and saving the city money. Okay. Um, Matt, is the, you know, are they just trying to scare people by actually taking something that works and saying they might cut it? Oh, you know, I think we touched on this last week, right? I mean, when you have all these people fully employed at City Hall, they're going to keep generating ideas all the time. And like some percentage of those ideas are going to just be transparently stupid, but we still have to talk about them anyway. <laughs> Look, the, the, the reality is this, and I, I want to echo what, what the councillor said. 311 is one of the, and John, you've said it as well. 311 is actually one of hands down the city services I have almost no complaints about. Like, you know, the roads are a mess in 911 response time. Times are through the roof. The TTC barely works. But every time I think, I, I, I cannot recall a single time I've called 311 to help either myself or a neighbor where I did not get what I was asking for and in a very time-sensitive way as well. So if this is a trial balloon, let's shoot it down. If it's just one of those stupid brainwaves that comes out of a critical mass of bureaucrats, let's just ignore it. Law & Order Toronto released a trailer on Friday, and it includes references to a mayor 
air smoking crack. Laura Babcock, I think a lot of people were very excited at the idea of law and order coming to Toronto and highlighting Toronto, but as they sort of comb through our criminal history, I think we're going to find it very embarrassing. Yeah, but that's, I mean, what Law & Order is based on. I'll start watching the series again. I used to be a devotee back in the day because it does rip stories from the headlines, right? And it gives you this sort of fictional back room, what might have really been going down, and it's fascinating. And it might be tough for some people to see the crack-smoking mayor story. But, you know, I was in St. Catharines during the Bernardo times, and that, that would be hard to watch as well. But I, I think the value of Law and & Order, both from entertainment and, and information, is just exploring, okay, what, what part of this this huge story that impacted my life, don't I understand? Or what might have been the machinations in the background? So I, I think it's fascinating. Matt, I know from experience that this is a chapter that the current premier never wants to countenance hearing about again. So it's going to be tough for the family. Yeah, and I think I, you know, when I saw the trailer, I kind of laughed a little bit. I'm like, oh wow, we're really going to play the hits again in Toronto. But you're right. Um, I, I did think of of the premier here. I don't spend a lot of time uh, lying around the house feeling bad for the premier, but this is one example where one of the things I tried tried to keep in mind back when all of this was happening and when I was covering City Hall and covering Rob Ford was I was tried to remember that one day his kids were probably going to be, they're going to be older and they're going to go on Google and they're probably going to look this stuff up. So I tried to use some kindness and discretion. I look, I, I don't know how law and order Toronto is going to handle this, but it probably will be tough for the Ford family. And I hope it doesn't reopen any old wounds for him. So maybe John Burnside, we'd prefer law and order three, one, one. Well, it just, my garbage was not collected. <laughs> Let's call the police and they'll be there in 22 minutes. Um, you know, everyone was so excited about this show, not realizing that it kind of highlights the underbelly of, of uh, society and the problems um, therein. You know, I, on a personal level, I like Rob Ford. He was a very wonder. He was a very nice guy. He had problems. I hate it when people give this over the top. Oh, he was an embarrassment to the city. Okay, but we elected someone who we then found out had a had an addiction problem. We're supposed to be um, helping people with that. Compassionate. Thank you. Um, it's not like in Washington where they had a crack smoking mayor and then they reelected him, right? Uh, Marion <laughs> Barry, nineteen ninety. Um, so you know, I think this is just people who don't like Rob Ford just you know chirping up again, chirping again, and um, it adds a little bit of spice to the city, and that's. Uh, I guess that's what you want in uh, Law and Order. Interesting think piece I came across this weekend that said millennials increasingly are not having kids and have no plans to have kids. I always forget, Matt, do you qualify as a millennial? Barely. I'm okay. right on the leading edge of it. But yeah, no, I'm a millennial, which should tell you a lot about millennials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but you do have kids. Yeah, no, I do. But I mean, it's it's interesting. So like I said, I'm right at the leading edge of it. Um, myself, my friends, uh, we were, if we were a year or two older, we would not be millennials. And I can tell you guys, all kidding aside, and I'm sure you've seen this yourselves, the curtain really dropped on affordability if you're five, maybe 10 years younger than me. People I am the same age with who did one more round of education at school, uh, took an extra four years. By the time they were in the job market, housing was unaffordable. My wife and I were able to get in, not without any problem problem of course it was expensive but we could do it it when the curtain fell for the millennials guys it fell fast laura i know your kids are not millennials and they're certainly not at an age where they'd be having kids anyway but do you worry you may never be a grandma 
Uh, I don't really worry about it because um, that's their life. You know, it's not about what I want or what I have planned. They they can do whatever feels right for them. I do think it's beyond affordability, though. I think that having kids who are 13 and 15, they're looking at what seem existential crises that we never had to deal with. We never dealt with a planet that was kind of you know, overheating on us and causing all these super storms. Um, we never really thought that we couldn't get our first apartment or that we couldn't get a first car. Uh, so they're, and they're looking at wars, hot wars in Europe, right? The Middle East. So they're kind of looking at the world <laughs> as a proposition going, uh, yeah, I don't know if I need to bring any more stress into this picture. And, and that's sad. Thank you all. Good to have you. John Burnside, Lugubrious, Matt Gurney, and Laura Babcock on round one. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.